0: Welcome back to my first concert. Dave Lee here with Breanne. Breanne, great to have you back.
1: Hi, how are you doing?
0: Well, I'm excited about our guest today.
1: I'm very excited as well.
0: And our show being brought to you by Propane, the environmentally friendly energy for everyone. And we'll be talking more about that in just a little while. But I want to continue this conversation that we've had uh, through the year, through the uh, first few shows that we've had, Breanne. And we had a lot of great guests come in and surprising stories every time you and I have sat here. We've gotten surprised by somebody, and I think today there might be more than I anticipate.
1: It's never really what you expect, which is what I've really enjoyed so far about these shows.
0: Well, a lot of you know Jim Suhan. You've known him well. You may not know him personally, but you certainly know him through his work in the newspaper and broadcasting, and uh, Jim has taken time to join us. I think, first of all, Jim, welcome. I appreciate that.
2: I'm glad you're on the network, Dave. Great to have you.
0: Oh, Great to be here. The one thing I would, would bring up to folks is that they know you maybe as a sports writer or broadcaster, But music's been a huge part of your life.
2: It has. Uh, I even play in a band now, and just just for fun, uh, you know, we play some gigs. But it's just, I just, I find that getting a guitar in my hand, singing, playing with a band, whatever I do, it's it's the most relaxing thing I can possibly do. As you know, one of the weird things about our jobs has been that sports is work. We enjoy it but you're also analyzing, you're thinking about you know, setting up interviews. It, you're never really completely out of work mode when we watch sports, unlike other people who, for whom it can be just complete departure from, from work. Music is where I get away from
0: everything. My first concert, the name of the show. First thing, Jim, what was your first concert?
2: Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screw up your format, and I'm going to— <laughs> You can't and, screw this and, up. And what a shock. What a shock <laughs> that I would screw up somebody's format. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this into— a bit of my life story uh, and that'll lead to my first concert okay okay yeah so i was a, i was a weird kid i know that, now
1: that's <laughs> not gonna that's not gonna surprise <laughs> yeah, anybody yeah, yeah, yeah. but you're in good company but,
2: but really i was like a I, I had all kinds of health issues i was skinny i was sickly um and now, now that I've reached a certain point in my life, I realized a lot of it was food and atmospheric a- allergies that I didn't know how to treat. Sure. So I was always, yeah. I was always sneezing. I couldn't put on weight. I was weak. I would, you know. So I, I was just a mess as a kid. And compounding that was the fact that I was an Air Force brat. We moved every two years. We lived all over the world. Every time I made a friend, we moved. That was how it worked. I took it personally. Uh, And then, actually, when my father changed jobs to get out of the Air Force to travel less, he traveled just about as much. Uh, So we were just constantly moving. And, you know, I didn't know anything about music. I knew nothing uh, except for the fact that I played in the elementary school bands and everything. And I tried to play trumpet. I was lousy at it. I played baritone. I was a little bit better at that. I tried playing clarinet. I was terrible at it. Uh, My parents got me guitar and piano lessons. I was terrible at both (laughs) in part because the teachers I had wanted, they thought the, you know, the goal of me taking these lessons was to play Mary had a little lamb. That's not exactly inspiring, (laughs) You know, didn't really motivate me to sit down and practice.
0: Or oh, Daltrey ever played Mary had yeah, Little yeah, Lamb.
2: I don't think so. I think he <laughs> stripped, He skips straight to, uh, you know, to who's next. So, you know, I, just, I, I wasn't really good at anything. I wasn't good at music. I didn't really like music because the only thing I ever heard was John Denver, you know, and, and nothing against John Denver. He had, you know, he, he did what he did. I, I don't rip. When I was younger, I used to rip on people's musical tastes. I don't do that anymore. If you like it, enjoy it. Except Nickelback. We got to on Nickelback. <laughs> Other than Nickelback, (laughs) I don't rip on any musical choices. So I go through life, and I don't know anything about music, and I'm, you know, and I'm a geek, and and so I go to school for, high school for a year in Maryland, and, like, maybe the first time in my life, I started hanging out with the cool crowd, Mm -hmm. you know, they started introducing me to music, then... Right after that, my sophomore year, we, my family moves me to St. Louis and puts me in an all-boys school. Uh, I knew nobody. All the flicks had already formed, and I was the ultimate outsider. Because I didn't really have I, – I couldn't hang with the jocks because I wasn't a good enough athlete. I didn't know anything about music. So the burnouts took me in. The burnouts were the only people – who would hang out with me.
0: The creatives.
2: The creatives, is a, that's a nice way to put it. Um, I still remember my English teacher, who actually ended up being a great friend. My English teacher would always make friends of my friends and ask them how much weed they had stashed in their hair because they had massive hairdos, you know? <laughs> and, and you know what? The, the great thing
1: about this, I hope... they really knew how to talk to the kids, Yes, huh? exactly. <laughs>
2: uh, I hope you guys are fans of Wayne's World because that was my high school experience sophomore, junior, senior years. I hung out with the kids who sit in the basement, play guitar. It, and so that was really my introduction, introduction to music. Every one of my friends had big hair, uh, made up their own language. Mm-hmm and played guitar so it was really stupid because we would go sit in the basement with all of our friends and it'd be 18 guys who played guitar nobody sang <laughs> nobody played drums nobody played bass so we just like trade riffs but nobody we never made any music
0: but you were having fun
2: but we had we had but they were great people and it was a blast and i actually ended up getting into sports and they kind of paved the way for me getting into polite society but so that's <laughs> how i got to where my first and I can't remember what my first concert was, but I remember the first few concerts I went to mm-hmm. at the Checker Dome in St. Louis. Oh, Rush, Styx, Aereo, Speedwagon, and Foreigner. Those are that. Those are the first concerts I went to. I can't remember what order they were in. It was, so it was kind of the St. Louis Hair Band, you know. Oh, and REO Speedwagon. Because REO Speedwagon was really big in St. Louis.
0: Yeah, well, was, they were an Illinois band. They could just zip right. on over the border, right?
2: Exactly. So that those were the first bands I went and listened to. And, you know, I, I don't really listen to those people anymore. Right. But it was an introduction into the pageantry of live rock and roll. They whether, all,
0: The ones you all mentioned put on shows. They, they performed.
2: And whether you you know, whether I still like their music or go, would go back and listen to them intentionally or not, I don't know. I mean, they're not my genre, but they did really get me into music because they would get up there and they'd wail on their guitars and they'd scream and people would go nuts and it was like, okay, this is,
0: this is my deal. Getty Lee, seeing him fr- out of the Lee. shoot, man, I'm telling you that, yeah. that's pretty heavy duty getting to see Rush. Styx was like everywhere. Yeah, they were everyone. And that was back in Dennis DeYoung days, wasn't it? Yes,
2: yeah. and uh, and of course, I just saw a Daryl's House with uh, Tommy Shaw on there. Oh my! And it's great. Because Tommy Shaw can play.
0: And so you went with your buddies, and you just kind of hung out and saw those concerts, smoked
2: as much weed as we get away with.
0: <laughs> well, that was the thing. Yeah, but I'm telling you that that those the group you were with, man, they that was a creative uh non-judgmental bunch exactly that's
2: exactly what they were yeah, yeah. they didn't ask for credentials they're so just like <laughs> okay dude you can hang out with us
0: so moving on then uh, let, let's talk about uh the concerts that you if if i were to say jim let's go see a show today who would it be i think i know but who, who yeah would-
2: well there for me there are really anytime anybody talks to me about the best concerts i've seen there are two categories there's springsteen and there's everybody else um and the I would say the only concert I've ever seen where I go, okay, that was as good as a good Springsteen show was U two. U two at Target Center, uh, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh and I mean, just did everything it was it was everything you want a concert to be. And I love everything else I've seen. But right. but you know, for a Springsteen fan to see him go on stage and play for three and a half, four hours and play stuff that he's never played before. And, uh, you know, always with a different band, always, I mean, same core band, but different, like sometimes he has a horn section, sometimes he has eight backup singers, sometimes he has two extra percussionists. Uh, he, and the fact that he has written like 8,000 songs and will play any of them on any given night, it means that you can go see him. And right here, I'll even segue into a little bit of sports here. Uh, so Mahler retires, right? First thing he does, He goes and follows Springsteen around Europe, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, what year was this? Oh, this is 1999, and is just getting back into baseball, and he becomes a coach on TK's staff, and the team's terrible. And by some quirk of fate or the fact that Springsteen and Molitor were friends back then, I saw Springsteen seven times in that year just by being around the Twins. In spring training, saw him in Fort Lauderdale and in Tampa. Saw him in, saw him twice in Minneapolis. Saw him in Kansas City. Saw him someplace else. It was like Springsteen and the Twins almost had the same touring schedule. So, I, <laughs> so, and every time I went, I'd get back to the hotel bar like if I was on the road, and there'd be. Mulder and the entire Twins coaching staff just trying to, and I still remember Rick Stelmazic who oh, was, Steli. Yeah, who's probably like 65 at this point. He wasn't a big music guy. and no. would, would never have gone to a Springsteen show by himself. And Springsteen... I don't think so, and, yeah. And, and Steli's sitting in the hotel bar after one of these shows, and I come in and say hello to him, and he goes, holy shit, how does he do it?
0: <laughs> I can just hear him saying yeah. it. Steli, I still have a catcher's glove. Had a brand new one. And um, long story, but it kind of came through Carlton Fisk, and, but it was stiff. And so I went to Steli, and he says, we'll fix this. And he made his own special sauce, as it were, to soften up a glove.
2: Yeah, well, he, he knew how to do that. He was, a car- he was great, he was the but best. to get
0: Stelly talking about Springsteen, yes. I would have paid to have been there. And, and if I remember right, Jim, and you probably would have written the story, uh, Molly, when, they made, when he was manager of the year for the mm-hmm. Twins, I think no surrender. Wasn't that their, th- their theme?
2: And a great Springsteen song.
0: Yeah, I don't know if anybody uses Springsteen for walk-up music. I'm gonna have to do a whole project on that. I to don't figure think
2: out. so. Um, and you know, it's interesting. It's Joe Ryan, the Twins pit. You know, I mean, obviously, it's a younger generation. They're younger athletes. They're going to use some hip hop. They're going to use some rap. They're going to use you know some metal. Uh, Joe Ryan is interesting because he will use like Grateful Dead. You know, something like that. I know Rocco Baldelli and Joe Ryan have had a lot of jam band conversations because Rocco's a big fish guy.
0: Yeah. And I, I know that, uh, obviously, the Springsteen's uh, your number one. But you have, uh, when we come back, I want to ask you about a couple of Prince stories. Yeah. Jim Suhan's with us here. Dave Lee here. Brian's here. My first concert, we're back in a second. I do want to talk about our environment a bit. We're all buzzing about it, right? And reducing carbon emissions, which we all need to do, and that's good for everybody. The question is, how in the world do we do it? uh, reduce those emissions? And yet, you've got to meet this world's increasing energy needs. Well, let's talk about propane and using that, because here's an excellent way to reduce emissions. And yet, you do meet those energy needs we have today. It's clean. It's non-toxic, it's an energy source It helps reduce carbon emissions. You may not have known that, I'll bet. In fact, propane's carbon intensity score in Minnesota is only 80. And you're saying, Dave, I'm not sure what that means. Well, let me compare grid electricity in Minnesota. Grid electricity, we all know about that here in this state in Minnesota, including wind and solar now, has a much higher carbon intensity score of 136. That's significant. So you probably didn't know who did, that using propane was that much cleaner than electricity. And it's abundant. Uh, and the growth of renewable propane would mean it can be used for generations to come. Something to think about. Very important to all of us. Millions of us rely on propane to eat homes, businesses, fuel vehicles on, road, and off, much more. So it makes propane the right energy right now. Find out more about what propane can do for you in the environment by going to propane.com. Jim Suhan's with us. Jim and Brianne's here, and we're talking about Springsteen, but let's switch it over to another local artist
2: Prince uh you know I I never met well I can't say I was in I was prince adjacent in many cases uh don't know the didn't know the man uh but boy I can tell you a bunch of prince stories anyway uh let's start with this uh you know I got I got some great prince stories from Dave Roussan he's the local luthier who uh He's worked on my guitars. He built Prince's first cloud guitar. You know, he, I mean, that that takes genius. It's one thing to, you know, there are all luthiers who just fix your guitar. To be able to create a guitar, that is real, you know, art, artisanship, artisanship, craftsmanship, whatever you want to call it.
0: Or accomplished musicians.
2: Yeah. And uh, and Rasan was also a very good guitarist, still is a very good guitarist. And one of the coolest things he ever told me was, he tried out for Prince's band in the early days. And he, it's in a, Minneapolis warehouse, and Prince had basically rented the entire warehouse and set up for his band. Rasan walks in there and starts playing guitar with uh, some of Prince's songs, and Prince is standing there playing guitar and singing. And as the session went on, Prince went from guitar, to bass, to keyboards, to drums, and he was the best in the room at everything. (laughs) Yeah, I believe it. I mean, utter genius. And, and and you know, and I call him a genius, but there's a danger in calling somebody a genius because you make it sound like they were just born that way. He had to put in so much time. You, you none of that stuff comes natural. I mean, the the genius part of it that puts you over the top might come naturally, but my god, he had to put in so many hours of work to become good at those things.
0: Yeah.
1: That's the special part is the hard work and the talent. And that's the the special ingredient, I feel like. And one of my favorite Prince stories, not that I've ever had any personal encounter with him, but when he did the George Harrison tribute, I believe it was. And obviously the performance was amazing. But I guess behind the scenes as they were practicing uh, he got super excited over a session musician who was kind of just in the background for that. And no one else knew who he was. And he was like, Oh, that's so-and-so. And he was on this and that, and he knew everything that he had been a part of. And he was just in awe of them because he's a musician's musician, you know, right. at the end of the day. So, and, and there
2: are really, you wouldn't think it. There are amazing number of similarities between Springsteen and Prince, uh, you know, elevating a local music scene to the national level, uh, ability to play all the different instruments, uh, uh, to not only write a million songs but give away some of his best songs to other artists mm-hmm. to promote black artists to promote young artists to uh, give himself I mean they were they were very sim- very different personalities but in terms of what they actually did a lot of similarities uh, another and you know let's let's go down the sid road here because everything has a sid road we're at this uh, Kevin Seifert and I are covering the Super Bowl in Miami Prince is going to be the halftime entertainment Back in those days, they would always have the musical artist come in for a press conference on, like, Wednesday, right? And they were usually horrible. Right. Because it was a, an artist who didn't want to do the press conference, talking to a bunch of sports writers, and it wasn't always the cream-of-the-crop sports writers who were in there, and they would ask stupid questions, and it was just always a, uh, just a mess. So, we're sitting there, and it's like a, I would say a small conference, it was a conference room size. It wasn't huge, but it wasn't tiny. And a bunch of folding chairs are set out, you know, Seifert and I got there really early because it was Prince and we're sitting front row. Prince comes out, walks up to the podium and goes, "No questions." And he brings his band out and they just jam for like, you know, five songs or something. Like that. It was it was like and that was one of the best concerts I've ever seen. Him just playing in a damn conference room. It was amazing. And and he went on to do what I think is the best halftime performance in Super Bowl history. Uh, in the rain in Miami, uh, he was, he, it was phenomenal. There was also another moment, though. We're all, like, in the back. It, most of the things that happened there happened at the Miami Convention Center, uh, just because that's the easy staging area. And we're all, like, wandering around. It's like me, Sid, and Seaford are, like, wandering some back hall. And here comes this entourage, and you know, and Prince is short, so you couldn't see him in the middle of the entourage, but you knew who who was. And then all these you know, NFL left tackles walking around as security in front of him. Right? Sid starts walking up. Of course, typical Sid, right? Sid starts walking right at the entourage, and these these security guards look like they're going to break him in half. And <laughs> and from from the yep. midst of the security detail comes the voice going, "Let him through." <laughs> And he goes, hello, Mr. Hartman. And Sid goes, hey, how are you doing, Prince? You know, and, and, and Sid, you know, here's, here's the weirdest goddamn thing I've ever seen. It's it's Prince and Sid Hartman. And, of course, Prince knew Sid because he was a high school athlete. Yeah. And he read Sid, and he knew Sid knew all the great athletes in town and all that. And it like, but it's like, you know, Prince is like, Hello, Mr. Hartman, and says like, listen, I know you. Uh, you gotta tell everybody I know you, okay? You gotta tell everybody I'm a big deal. Because I'm the most insecure person who's ever lived. And if Prince can tell everybody that I'm, I'm a big deal, then I'm going to be a big deal.
0: It was the strangest damn thing I've ever seen. And it's hard to get Prince to say anything.
2: Yeah, right. And, and Prince is not the kind of person who glad hands. No. Prince, no. In fact, no. which segues into another just mini story. You know, my, my daughter used to work at First Avenue. And she booked a lot of the acts. And she handled a lot of things behind the scene. And one thing she told me was Prince had a table Upstairs reserved. So anytime he wanted, he could just drop by and catch a set or an act and kind of get in and out surreptitiously coming back. Which he loved to do. Yeah. But he would use that, that table would sit there, and he would use that privilege about once every five years. So they'd have a sold out show, yeah. and everybody'd be like, Can I go sit there? No, that's Prince's seat. That's Prince's seat. Prince's seat. Nope. And Prince might, you know, there's a 0.03% chance that he <laughs> might right. show up. We have to save it for him. However,
0: yeah, if, yeah, if he does, he used to do that at the Dakota too. Yeah. yeah. In the, it, I mean, he really appreciated the local musicians, and he didn't oh, want yeah. to be uh, noticed.
2: No, no, he really didn't, and, and he also, he was very shy in a lot of ways, and there is that dichotomy with so many performers, and even people, I think sometimes in our business, it's like, you know, people assume if you're in the public eye that you're comfortable being in the public eye. Sometimes, you just have to be in the public eye to do what you do.
0: I agree. I think there's a lot more of that than people really know and understand. Yeah, no question about that.
2: One more sit. One more uh, Prince tangent. Yep. My current drummer, Gary Cook, has been playing in for bands and bars. Came really close to getting a big record deal at one point with a uh, with a, one of his iterations of his bands. He, I used to go to when I lived in the South suburbs, and I was starting to kind of progress as a guitarist, or at least trying to progress as a guitarist. I would always like veer out of my way going up to the Vikings uh, camps to go to Levon's Music in Savage. It's a great old-school music store. They really know their stuff. I've been standing there with Pete Wagoner, the guy who owns it. I mean, I've been standing there. He's been like, oh, yeah, Sheryl Crow's coming through in her van on Tuesday. We're going to go bowling. Uh, you know, and, uh, Or he'll get a call from Pearl Jam asking for like a very specific vintage guitar, and he'll have one in the basement, and he'll like, okay, I'm, 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 I think I'm going to sell this guitar to Pearl Jam, and, I'm like, man, I'm going to charge him a lot. you know. <laughs> so it's a, cool, it's a really cool place. Well, back in the day when— and they're
0: thrilled to pay it.
2: Oh, yeah. Back in the day when Gary was young, he and Prince, you just like sit on the floor at Levon's and Gary would just hit on something as drum and Prince would just jam. And of course, then Prince got his record deal and he never saw him again. But, you know, that's Prince was really just a kid trying to figure stuff out around here for a while.
0: Now, if, so, if you could book a band here in town, if you're, you're responsible for booking them like your daughter was at one time, who would it be? I mean, outside of what we've talked about with Springsteen, let's Springsteen aside.
2: Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, because I love so many bands. Um, but I also have very high standards. I don't want somebody to stand on on stage and reproduce the record. I want entertainers. And I haven't really thought about this. So I'm going to have to take a second here. Well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned it before we started the show. Um, you mentioned Earth, Wind, and Fire. And if you want to talk about entertainment value and musicianship, they're as good as anybody. Um, boy, who else? Who else jumps to my, uh Jason Isbell uh, in the four hundred unit. They're fantastic. Um, you know, I mean, we're I am at a point in my life where many of my idols are either not playing anymore or are deceased. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I would kill to see Tom Petty. I can't do that.
1: That see, that's kind of a segue of something I was just thinking about. My philosophy as far as live shows, because I've heard it somewhere, was you should. Always, always go and see who you want to see because you never know, no matter what age they are, that they might not be there. And I saw Tom Petty when he came through on the last tour. On the 40th. Yep. And it was, it was great. It was incredible. Yeah. And I'm so, it was one of those things where it was kind of expensive and I didn't know if I wanted to go and I, I just went and I'm so glad I did. And it's just, I, I live by that and I haven't, I don't regret it at all. You know, no. so
0: I was there. Uh, yeah. In yeah. fact, I remember when Tom, as you're thinking Learning about that, to
1: fly, you know, singing with the crowd. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember oh, yeah. that. Oh yeah. Oh, it's oh, just oh, no. he let so let the crowd amazing. Yeah. I
0: remember, I remember I came, a buddy of mine, it was a little more heavy metal than I am from Chicago. And he came up and cause he wanted to see Pearl Jam and on that concert, they were opening uh, here in town. They may have reversed it on the road. I don't know. But Pearl Jam opened up for Tom Petty. So he came up from Chicago to see Pearl Jam when we went together. And I said, I'm going to see, I like Pearl Jam, but I'm going to see Tom Petty. Because I said, live, he's great. And he said, no. He said, Pearl Jam will steal the night. And I said, they may, but Tom Petty is not going to disappoint you. He said, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, he's pretty bullheaded about it. We both were. And after the show, he turns to me as we're walking. He says, Petty was better. And he was a Pearl Jam guy. And I mean, how I, you know, and it's one of those shows probably where they're both going to put on a heck of a show. Oh, yeah. they're I both can't, great. I can't let Tom down and Tom's going to, I can't let Pearl Jam down and the way they go.
2: <sighs> Boy, I'm, I'm still blanking uh, on the perfect answer to your question. I've not it's come up with it one. yet. Um, because I haven't, you know, my wife, like my wife loves Elton John. So we see him every chance we get, and he's very good. And his band was great. Um, but, boy, who is the one band that is still together that I listen wow, to? Well, there's your key.
0: That's the hard part. Yeah, still, is still together.
2: together and healthy and touring that I want to go see. Because I've seen the Stones, and I like seeing the Stones, but it's not the end all for me.
0: That's an event.
2: It's an event, and they put, always put on a good show, but it, it doesn't make me feel like I have to go see them. You know, I don't feel urgency about it. Uh, I love you, too. So that would be the easy answer, but I don't know that it's exactly the right answer.
0: Remember when they were at the, at the, when they opened up the Gopher. Yeah. State, well, they had to postpone it because Bono got hurt. That right. was a great show in the rain.
2: They're, they're fantastic.
0: They, I, I will say this while you're still thinking about yeah. that is, is sometimes you go to a show and not, I don't know what to expect. I mean, my example, one of those was Boz Scaggs. Went to see Boz Scaggs, and I walked out of the shake of my head and go, boy, that guy is so much better than, I mean, I thought he was okay and good, but. And then Chris Isaac. What's is sure. Chris Isaac. Yeah. As far as entertainment value, Chris Isaac. Yeah. He just He's a
1: charismatic fellow. Oh man. <laughs> he just,
0: yeah, well, I know where you're going with that. But he 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 just he gets you. And you're just going, This guy just knows how to work with an audience. And he, and plus obviously he's talented. So the you know, once in a while you go to a show where you're a little bit surprised by how good yeah, they really you are. you tag
1: along or but something. And I, th- I
2: think one thing that fools a lot of people is they get fooled by somebody's hits or somebody's hit. Yep. And I think that's completely unfair. It's like so often what you hear from music fans is, oh, he sold out. He had a hit or he sold out. He or she sold out because they let these people make enough money via their hit or hits that they then can fund doing whatever they want. And that that's one of the things I loved about Springsteen is he had his Apex of popularity number one artist in the world number one album in the world number one tour in the world setting records in all categories with born in the USA he And and that's when he became mega rich He could have done anything in the world he wanted he could have made another born in the USA It would have sold just as much he could have he could have mailed it in his next album was a solo acoustic album he did in his bedroom alone with a four-track recorder that pissed off everybody. (laughs) He's everybody wanted him to do more party songs. And guess what? That might be his best album. Yeah. You know, I mean, he allowed the hits to fund every other venture he wanted and every other direction he wanted to go.
0: Yeah. Well, even the Broadway thing he did was. It was great. Very, very different and very unique. Yeah. Jim, I appreciate you coming
2: in. Yeah, I wish I could have given you a better answer on my last one. Well,
0: you're going to think about it I'll when, you, about when it, you drive well, away.
2: Yeah. Well, and and I will have you on my show at some point, and maybe by the time I have you on my show, I will have an answer for you.
1: I do have a question though. Yes. So you mentioned the friends that shaped you and the the subculture and things like that. But when did you start playing music? And then what's your how's the story up till now that you still play music?
2: So you know, I, I took you through the the attempts to be a bad musician, right. uh, which I achieved. Uh, but the thing is, I always had that guitar, I always had an old acoustic around. And so periodically I would pick it up and then, and you know, I would fiddle. And for me, it was very easy to get to the point where you could play chords, and if you can play chords, you can play songs. I mean, 98% of pop songs can be played in three or four chords on an acoustic guitar, you know? Uh, so I it, it found it very easy to do that. So I raised my kids in Lakeville, and all of a sudden, we're getting together in the back. You know, it's, your kids are a certain age, and you really can't go out, uh, but you want to have a beer. And so all the neighbors get together in the backyard. Well, a couple of my neighbors started pulling out acoustic guitars and playing and singing. And, and, and to be very blunt and egotistical about it, I listen to them and I go, shit, I'm better than that. <laughs>
0: Well, you got to have confidence. Yeah,
2: well, I mean, you know, I was like, okay, if they can sit there and play in public, I can play in public. And so I started pulling my guitar out, and that kind of got me going. um So then I'm going to bring out some really interesting names here. So then I'm doing some work for KSTP, right? And I get to know Tommy Mischke, I get to know John height Tommy Mischke puts out his own. Uh, original music albums. It's kind of like Dix- Dixie, everything from Dixieland jazz to straight piano music. He's a really talented guy. Uh, John height is their one of their news directors. He's one of the best guitarists I've ever been around. Phenomenal guitarist, uh, phenomenal music, uh, m- musical historian. In fact, for a while there, the three of us would do a music show late on Friday afternoons to close music uh, uh, Miski's last show of the week, and it was. Well, most fun I've ever had. So Mishy's going to have a uh, CD release party at O'Gara's, the old O'Gara's, sure. back when they had the big stage. And my band used to play there all the time. And I'd never played in a band before. I'd never been on a stage before. Mishy comes to us one Friday and says, hey, I'm going to have this re- uh, release party, but I need some schmooze time in the middle. So I want to play a set, and then I want to take a break, and then I'll come back and play my last set. Would you two get on stage and just play some guitar music just to Kind of fill the void while I'm walking around, and I'm standing there. So, height and I start talking. I'm like, "Well, if we're going to get on stage and there's going to be an audience, I want to play rock and roll. I don't want to stand there and be an acoustic geek, right?" So, because of John's connections, he throws together a band in five minutes. We (laughs) practice twice. We go up and we play ten songs, and it was great. Mm -hmm. It was just a blast. Yeah, and so so then that band played together for a while, um, and then I think. I don't know. Like our drummer became a long haul trucker. Is the way bands fall apart. Everybody kind of just splits up. So then, I I was really hooked at that point. And Carlos Gonzalez, a photographer, of the Star Tribune, was really into playing guitar. And my like, what would be my cousin in law, my brother's brother in law, whatever it is, is in town. Aaron Cabbage, he had played in one of Gary Cook's old bands, and he knew Gary liked playing it as much as possible. And he, so here's a drummer with a practice space. The two building blocks of a band. You have to have a drummer and you have to have a practice space. Here it is, that's solved. We already have two guitarists. Uh, Gary knew, knew a bass player. So we started playing and then we played O'Gara's a bunch of times. We played Turf Club. We played, I don't know, someplace else. Uh, and, and now we're just still going. Just be it's fun.
0: Your daughter never booked you at first
2: ab? Uh She actually offered to get us in at wow. 7th Avenue. Uh, but I just feel like that's, that should be for original artists. I mean, we're a cover band. We're just out there having fun. I don't want to bump you know, a, a somebody who actually has true ambitions in the business out of a gig like that.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of revered when you're in the Twin Cities, right? First Avenue is kind of the place. All right, Jim, appreciate you coming in today. It's was it was great talking to you. Thanks, man. Yeah.
1: What other uh, shows do you have on the network, Jim, me? on the TalkNorth.com podcast <laughs> network? To t-
2: the top 42 shows I do on the
0: network. Uh, Am I the worst promo guy in the town? Kind yeah, of, I think but so. That's, yeah.
1: but that's what I'm here for. So <laughs>
2: so the shows we are doing that I'm involved with, I do my own show called Blocked and Muted, and you'll be a guest on there sometime. Uh, you don't have a choice. Um, and that's me kind of buzzing through local sports topics and then usually having a good conversation with somebody, uh, and usually somebody a little bit off the beaten path. Um then we do the John Krasinski show with John Krasinski on the Timberwolves in the NBA. Uh, we do the Viking Update show. It's John and I, who have both covered the Vikings for a long time, talking about Vikings issues. Jeff Diamond, the former Vikings general manager, does the uh, Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider, and I contribute to that. Uh, we have Chin Music, which I think people should really listen to. I think it's the best baseball show in town. Lavelle Neal and Roy Smalley. Uh, the Odd Couple, along with me, who you know, I've been covering the Twins since 93. Uh, so we bring you a lot of insights and a lot of inside knowledge on that uh, that franchise. Um, who am I forgetting? Oh, John Mr. Prep, John preps Malay. Preps Today with John Malay. John just does incredible work covering uh, Minnesota Preps, and he's great on that show as well. I think I covered them all, right? I think
1: you covered them all, yeah. but safe to say we have a lot we of content lot at of content.
2: Uh, we have outdoor content we, now we have Dave Lee carrying the variety section uh we've and, and oh Cheryl I feel Reeve. like
0: I feel like your buddy's in the basement
2: also Cheryl
0: yeah <laughs> also <laughs> the Cheryl Reeve
2: show uh, right the, one of the greatest coaches in the world does a show on our network and I'm very proud of that
0: yeah and then you got me in the basement with all the weed heads sitting there talking music <laughs> it's how we do man. yeah
1: Give the people
0: what they want. Yeah. Well, I'm glad Cheryl's on too. I've grown to like her a lot through the years, and she is, she's, uh, she's the best. She is. At one time, we were debating whether or not someone would take a chance from the WNBA and put her in an NBA position.
2: We've been talking about that for a long time, and the NBA just ain't
0: ready yet. Yeah. Jim, thanks. We'll listen for you here on the Talk North. Uh, podcast network, and of course, you can download those shows and this one anytime on Apple, Spotify, wherever you want. Our thanks to the folks at Propane, the environmentally friendly energy, for everyone for making this possible. My first concert, Brienne. I will see you next week.
1: See you on the next one.